Welcome to another episode of the number one RPG-focused podcast in the entire galaxy, the TetraCast. As you can hear, I am not your usual host, Brian. I am Josh Torres. I am substituting for Brian in hosting this week. He's uh, a little bit busy this week, so I'm taking over just for a little while. Joining me today is uh, a couple of our regulars. Uh, hello, Adam Vitali. Hello, Josh. How's how's life, man? How are you doing? It's it's good. It's almost September already. Somehow. Oh, don't don't say that. It's years almost over. Hi, James Galizio. Hey, folks. So we got a a good chunk of news this week. Gamescom happened. Um, we had the Xbox presentation. We had opening night live, and a good chunk of uh, RPG news came out of that. But, of course, as always, before we hop right into that, uh, we'll talk about some of the games that we've been uh, checking out this week. Uh, it's been kind of a dry, slow week for like new releases and RPGs uh, on our end. Um, we haven't really played a lot of new ones. I think the, we're still waiting for the next big one, but it's looking like Tales of Arise still. So, just a couple more weeks on that. Uh, Ada, go for it. I was going to say, I was going to play Baldo, since I have an Apple TV and it's on Arcade, but apparently uh, there's a reason why they didn't send out review codes, because it seems to be a bit of a hot mess. Oh, really? What's going on with Baldo? Okay, remind you, uh, which one is Baldo and what's going on? It's the Italian um, studio, like, indie game that has the Nino Cooney-type art style. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm Kind of like a Zelda-like, something like that. Um... It always looked interesting. The problem is, is that it came out. I was interested in like what the reception was because I didn't see any reviews. So I looked it up on Steam and instantly I was hit with uh, mixed reviews. Uh-oh, what's going on? Is, well, what are people th- talking about with it? Well, the PC port specifically has absolutely no graphics options, no resolution settings, no like anti-aliasing, no, sh- no shadow resolution, nothing. It's just oh. literally just launch the game. That's it. It may or may not be locked at 30 fps there's some conflicting information there's bugs there's um a lack of tutorials when it really probably needs some it sounds like Mm. and it just seems to overall be a bit clunky it feels like maybe they pushed it out a little bit too soon which is a shame because i was kind of interested in checking it out because again like you said it's a bit of a dry period at least for rpgs now next month is going to be the exact opposite of that but yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, best of luck to Baldo. It, it does, does look pretty interesting. Um, hopefully they get it all sorted out. That's the, the I, don't, I don't like games sh- shipping like that, man. But speaking yeah. of a lock 30 FPS, but is correctable through the PC version, uh, Adam and I have been checking out uh, Fuga Melodies of Steel by CyberConnect2. James, you did the review for the site a few yep. months back. Um, yeah, high, high praise for that. I completed the first two chapters, and I'm starting to really, really dig it. Adam, where are you at with uh, Fuga? 
I'm in chapter 11, which I think is the penultimate chapter, so I'm close to the end. Um, yep. well, what do you think so far? So it's not a it's not a super long game. I think I'm like 14 hours in or something like that. So, you know, a 15 to 20 hour game, it sounds like, or it feels like. It's pretty cool. It's very focused in terms of what type of game it is. So it's the sort of game where I, I like it a lot, and but I, I would have a hard time maybe recommending it unless it kind of fits your style. It's so James has talked about this on a previous podcast, but it's a very it's a it's a linear game uh, in terms that you're you're moving along in this tank uh, along you know a path and you run into various battles on the way. Uh, James talked about you have six different characters to start with. You eventually get more that you're coordinating. You know their guns, their positions, their their bonds with each other. Your uh, basically your various gauges in terms of. Uh, your timeline and things like that in battle. So it's a very, there's a lot of resource management in this game in terms of uh, how you're taking on enemies and the tactics behind that and coming out, you know, unscathed. So it's it's pretty cool in that strategy element, but it is, you know, I don't want to say, lacking is kind of a, a strong word, but it, it doesn't have much in terms of like exploration or whatever. It's just not that type of game, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, or dungeons. Yeah, the, Cause it's just like it's it's a combat focused resource RPG, and it's pretty cool yeah. for what it is. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's big big focus. It's just uh, like hey, you have this. You're like these stages are all uh, linear, except there are some branching paths. Whether you want to go like a safer route if you're like running low on HP, or you want to go through like a normal or difficult route to like uh, maximize the amount of resources you're getting through battle. But like that's the only kind of so far for my for my experience sort of like real choice you have and stuff uh in terms of like story progression but other than that it is like as you said really all about like thinking about how you're gonna deal with like aerial enemies and these grounded enemies and trying to mitigate damage as you're delaying their turn and whatnot but there's not like oh go out of your way to grind here and whatnot or go explore this area that's like the ruins or something but that's still like you're still you're not like delaying content for that uh, you're not going out of your way for for that because you're still progressing forward after those activities are done i think it's a, a really it's really like oddly charming to it like there's a, a sort of look to it that feels refreshing that you don't see much there's a sort of stylized art style kind of like a comic book uh like style to it but the the way characters move like i don't really i can't really put any like real parallels to it on like what it looks like because the characters are like feel character designs feel so refreshing they're kind of like uh animal people and but there's i don't have i don't think i've ever seen it done like this sort of style from uh, my memory i I do like that also like for the pc version i was able to at least bump it up to 60 fps because it's it's hard luck 30 fps um normally but there's like an i and i edit i found that it's like okay you can just do that Go for it, James. I actually have not done that. <laughs> I've just been playing at thirty. Just it, oh, okay. it, it looks yeah. no, it looks really good at sixty FPS. Like uh, before you finish it, like uh, do that I and I edit, and then you're like, oh yeah. shit, this 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 looks awesome. Yeah, I, all I was gonna say is that the uh, art style is a very um, it's a common one. Um, I mean, no, the way the way it's like used. Like, I'm not saying that like this art style has never been done before, but like the way that they kind of incorporate the context of it. Like, you don't see like animal people like 
piloting this really big complex tank in like a war orphan story that ah that's there. what you meant that's what you meant yeah yeah the other thing i was gonna say is that i didn't use the fps unlock because i didn't bother i i figure i probably could have because it's unreal engine 4 and it's pretty well documented but honestly the type of game it is you don't really need a higher frame rate i mean if you yeah. have the option might as well but it's not like you're really missing out on too much because the game still looks great. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward, uh, looking forward to progressing that. And uh, thankfully, it's a a shorter game. Like I, I thought it was going to be a longer one, but hearing uh, about the, the game's length uh, kind of encourages me to. I, I don't want to like dive too deep into something else because I'm still I, I'm hot off the heels of completing the, the Judgment Remaster, which was. Uh, really fun and like it was nice to refresh my memory on that before Lost Judgment comes out at the end of the month next month. So that was so I just wanted something like to the side before Arise as well because I want to check that out. Uh, any other thoughts you have, Adam, on it? Um, not really. Like it, it's cool yeah. for what it is, but it, I, just like like I said, it is a very focused game. So mm-hmm. it, 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 in terms of appeal it may not be broad appeal because if you don't like this sort of tactical turn-based strategy it's that's pretty much what the game is uh so it's it's the sort of game that i find that i like a lot but it's difficult to recommend unless it is what fits you but it's still it's, it's it's a pretty neat game that you don't see this sort of game release very often so it's it's cool to have it and i enjoyed it or i am enjoying it so yeah yeah cool cool um james uh you've been dipping your toes uh before the next new entry of the trail series comes on japan you've been tra- uh checking out uh hajimari no kiseki or the western release uh in 2023 trails into reverie yeah into reverie or okay into reverie got it so what's let's I, I think that's it. let me let me just double check that really yeah quick. I, I'm pretty uh, sure it's Trails into Reverie and not Trails of Reverie, which is what you put in. Yeah, it's into Reverie. Okay, all right. So what's but, up with that? Okay. Obviously, I didn't learn my lesson after Cold Steel 4, though I already mm-hmm. kind of said like way back when that Boiled Frog, I'm in too deep, need to keep playing it. Uh, as I'm sure um, Falcom fans in the West are painfully aware of, uh, we are not getting a localization for this game until probably late 2023. Um, all we have is 2023, but considering like Azure is coming out 2023 as well, and it's going to release for sure before this game, it's likely this won't be out until like maybe June 2023, if we're lucky. So I wanted to, I was getting more interested in Kuro because it's different. Nothing else. It's like, completely different from people not completely different but it has some promise to it it looks like it's changing things up so Mm -hmm. i wanted to give it a shot and obviously i haven't played hajimari yet because i only played cold steel 4 last year after the japanese version of uh, reverie or hajimari had come out and i just never got around to it uh so I'm borrowing a copy from an acquaintance of mine, uh, met up, borrowed it, and uh, the 
the idea is I'm actually going to stream some of the PSVR sections once I get to them. That's going to be fun. I'm about 15 hours into Hajimari, and so far I'm enjoying it. On, but the same notion can be could have been said about Cold Steel Four. I enjoyed Act like, One. Yeah, uh, I feel like there was like an asterisk at the end of that when you said that. It's like I'm enjoying it. Asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Um. The one thing that I can say for sure is that I completely called it when I said in my Cold Steel Four review that it's like, look, you shouldn't play this before play, be- without having played the rest of the series, even if you could get away with playing Cold Steel Four without having played Crossbell or Trails in the Sky. I knew that you weren't going to be able to for Hajimari or Reverie. And literally within moments of starting Hajimari, it's just like bombarding you with all this crossbell stuff that it fully expects you to play the duology. And if you haven't, you're going to be very, very confused. What if the head of Falcom Kondo says in the for the Western release, hey, this is the perfect entry to jump in like the Cold Steel 3? Don't believe his lies. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, I don't want to talk about it too much because, again, yeah. even just talking about Hajimari isn't just spoilers for Hajimari. It's also spoilers for Cold Steel 4. It's spoilers for the crossbow duology, all that sort of stuff. Uh, one thing I will say is that I'm the pacing is very much improved based off of the way that Hajimari's kind of segmented. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the kind of um, gimmick that Hajimari has. Yeah, I I know it's a gimmick. I know it has has three different like groupings and routes. So the way that Hajimari is split up is instead of focusing most of the story on one big group like Cold Steel 4 did, you have three separate groups. You have Lloyd's group, so basically Crossbell 3 is that story pretty much got Reen's route, which means you've got new class 7, old class 7 doing stuff, and then you've got C's route, which is probably not Crow, but it's a new character. you got characters that are from the <laughs> in-game novel series from Cold Steel 4, 3, and 9s, which is interesting. Uh, it, it's hilarious. I tweeted about this when I first like booted up and I was looking at like the glossary stuff, and it has summaries for zero Azure, Cold Steel 1 through 4, and then 3 and 9s. Like, the entire, like, 3 and 9s, like, in-game novel is just plastered in the glossary section, oh, too. That's because, funny. because you need to read it to understand who some of those characters in C's route actually are. So, even if you didn't play Trails in the Sky, the game's like, hey, I hope you have knowledge of five, no, six other games in the series. It's kind of a bit much. But, um... One thing I I did say about Cold Steel 4 earlier is that I think the reason why I enjoyed, well, I thought the reason why I enjoyed Act 1 was because it was a smaller, more personalized group, and Falcom's penchant to have every character in the scene speak works a lot better when you have less people in a scene, because it doesn't feel as stilted and it doesn't mess up the pacing. I'm not sure if they've learned their lesson, probably not. But the fact that each of these groups is segmented and it's not as many people on screen at once, the scenes I've seen so far definitely have much better pacing. And part of it's also the fact that probably because the way the cross-story system is set up, you have distinct chapters for each route. They were kind of forced to have 
like specific things happen in each chapter and they had to be focused on what happens instead of bloating things out into these long, huge acts like in Cold Steel 4. And because you have these separate groups, one of the things that I kind of lamented in both Cold Steel 2 and Cold Steel 4 was that they would sometimes say, oh, these people are doing these things off screen, but because we can't show them to you, we're going to have them regurgitate everything, which is going to make the pacing worse. But because the cross-story system actually lets you see what's going on in different parts of the world at different times, it's a lot more natural feeling. And then com um, combine that with uh, some actually pretty interesting um, story moments, like character moments. Uh, one thing very early on with uh, Reen's route, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but if you want to skip ahead like 45 seconds, maybe a minute, do that now. Uh, one of the things that he's tackling with is that um, even though he isn't suicidal anymore, uh, he is still coming to grips with the fact that, is he allowed to be happy? Yes, he stopped the Twilight, but he still feels responsible for causing it in the first place. And one of the things you see throughout the early parts of the game is that people have been in impacted even by that like small two-year like Great War. Like in the Lloyd section, you have you go into the bakery and you talk with one of the NPCs, and they even say, "Oh, has your um, wound fully healed up from when you were on the front lines and that sort of thing?" And it definitely goes a long way to making the stakes that almost felt like a joke, at least to me, at the end of Cold Steel Four, feel like they actually had some real impact on the world as a whole, even if it felt like it was kind of sweeped under the rug at the end of Cold Steel 4, you see characters actually coming to grips with them. And it does go a long way into making me feel a little bit better about the ending of that game. And then you have all the stuff with um, another thing is that Altina, like what in Green's route, the very first thing is that they're summoned to Ymir to uh, undertake a test for a special assignment. And when uh, New Class 7 is being introduced to Reen's parents, Altina is nervous because of what happened in Cold Steel 2. And it's a really, really neat scene because it had, I don't know the best way to describe it, but Falcom sometimes can be a bit heavy-handed with scenes, and I didn't get that feeling from that scene. It felt like it was way more natural, and it felt like the way that they handled it was really, really cool. So I'm enjoying it so far. Hopefully it stays this way. I do have some friends that also felt the same way about Cold Steel 4 that I did, and to them, Hajimari ended up becoming their favorite game in the series, so... I'm not sure if I'll be that way, but I am enjoying it so far, and I'm looking forward to continuing with uh, my adventure. Cool. All right. Well, um, I don't know if that's the best, the best way to say it to Western players, but uh, look forward to it in maybe two years. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. I know some other people I know Maybe it's not their favorite game in the series, but at the very least, being like this sort of segmented uh, trilogy or trio of groups, they they might have liked one of those like partial stories quite a lot. Um, 
even if maybe the whole thing isn't like your favorite in the series, maybe there might be a portion of it that is that is enjoyable or good. Or you like the character or the stakes or the or whatever. So being this sort of segmented game is kind of has that interesting potential, I guess. We'll see. Yeah, the, at least you know there there are portions of it that are more apparent. That's like you know what I might not have liked like the overall product, but at least this person's rap was cool or like rather, rather this than like, like Cold Steel Four, which is like just tangled up in this gigantic yeah you know mess that you can't separate it from. Um, so I know I know I, I expect Hajimari also eventually gets tangled up, but it's at least functionally <laughs> it seems to be. We'll see. I don't know. I'm starting to get a little, just a little tad bit uncomfortable um, with uh, all the Kurodukiseki marketing and like how they're introducing characters left and right, both old and new. You know. Oh like, yeah. Oh, like, we'll see. Yeah, we'll it's see. like I tweeted about that, and uh, unsurprisingly, I had a uh, Falcom Sands uh, come into my mention, so that was uh, fun. <laughs> Look, yeah, you always got to defend, right? Uh, all, all don't don't you dare say anything bad about trails. We, we we've learned our lesson uh, time and time again. How dare we? <laughs> at 180 comments on my Cold Steel Four review and counting. Oh, at least not, someone's not live blogging their playthrough. Um, at the very least, on there. Um, you're uh, also I've been checking out a new release this week, not an RPG, but. Uh, it's been a long time coming for a lot of Psychonauts fans. Psychonauts 2 has finally released, believe it or not, after how many years? 16. Oh my god. All right. The, well, Psychonauts 2, did it... 16 years of waiting. Did it, did it uh, live up to your expectations? Well, I only just played the original Psychonauts oh, right, this month. Right. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much. First okay. off, because uh, our resident uh, Psychonauts fanatic isn't on the podcast right now. Sorry, George. Um, but it's really good. It's really good. Um, people have been saying this the last couple of days, but it's definitely a strong game of the year contender. And if you are at all a fan of 3D platformers, play Psychonauts 2. It's on Game Pass. I, I reinstalled Psychonauts 1 on my PC uh, a few days back, so I want to replay that because... Uh, God knows I can't remember anything about that after playing it 10 million years ago. But I do want to uh, jump into this one before the year ends. Uh, I've only heard good things about it, which is really weird to think about because like, you, you would think that like, oh, after all these years of waiting, there's no way they can like meet expectations after nearly two decades of waiting and anticipation. Like even, this was like one of the very first campaigns that like, um, what was their crowdfunding platform that they establish uh, fig. that fig yeah uh, this is like one of the first projects that was on it way back when right and yeah because i believe that fig was actually kind of incorporated with double fine or something like yeah. that yeah yeah that's just like the development of this game has been a really really long and wild journey and like i i remember hearing behind the scenes like talk about like uh from double fine like it was really great that like Microsoft acquired us because it was able we were able to like realize all our ambitions with this game without being tied to crowdfunding or whatnot. Like they gave us the support that we needed to really go all out with this, and it, it seems like it really paid off in spades. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to hear hearing you and George talk about this game uh, next week if he's if he's on. Uh, this seems really good. 
And uh, rounding out um, what we've played this week, not necessarily uh, what I've played this week, um, Tsukihime's remake came out in Japan this week. Uh, another long-awaited, not really in this case, not really sequel. There's a re-release with a lot of uh, new elements. So maybe in a sense, it is kind of like a sequel-esque thing. But Tsukihime is a very, 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 very famous um, visual novel. Uh, for a lot of people, it was their first visual novel. It, it was one of Type Moon's earliest um, products that released in Japan. And this got released on uh, PlayStation 4 and Switch um, this week. And uh, the few people who have been able to read it and get through it uh, seem to really, really like it. I've been kind of following the developments and whatnot because, as you might imagine, like the the history of Suki, the, the original Tsukihime's uh, presence in the West is kind of tied up with um, this fan translation group way back when called Mirror Moon. And they were the ones who did the fan translation of Tsukihime and people either officially supported or, you know, got it through other nefarious means um, the original game and uh, read it through their fans translation and whatnot. And now there's been a lot of uh, groups now. It's, it's interesting to think like how far uh, technology has come in that space in terms of like fan translation and the tools available and the communities that are have easily formed now through modern technologies like Discord and um, uh, like longstanding like fan sites like Beastlayer and whatnot and like just the collaboration with modern tools, technolo- technological tools um, between fan translation then and fan translation now because obviously a lot of people really want to read this in a language that they, they, they can understand and the localization um, the chances of localization on this uh, remake is, seems very slim uh, to be honest, it's very uncertain whether it'll ever get an official lo- localization. So I've been kind of following that those uh, developments in the scene. It's been interesting to see. It's the, like two, two, like two methods to it. Like there, there's a, a person who's like live translating their playthrough very thoroughly. So it's like uh, overlooked by a person at least. It's a rough translation, but it's like you know at least readable. While others are like trying to use like AI sites like a deep translation and uh using like hooks from that through like switch emulator a uh, switch emulator running this game it's a really I, weird and wild to see <laughs> i love it. i love how like everyone kind of knew that the excuse for why Tsukihime remake wasn't going to be on pc was absolute bullshit and it's even more clear now because apparently the remake like using the analog sticks just outright emulates a mouse cursor <laughs> Yeah, so the the, the initial um, interview with uh, Nasu, the the author of Sugihime, like when they they announced the remake about like, hey, why isn't this on PC? Like the original was on PC, and he's like, you know, I, it's a bit egotistical of me, but I want it to be appreciated like on a full big screen and whatnot because we have great production values. So like, you know, akin those to akin those lines, even though like it's on Switch as well, you can play it on handheld, so it's kind of antithetical to what he's saying but you know and then now people uh it's it's even come out um through uh an interview with famitsu i believe about uh, this game where like there was a pc version of remake that was in development that nasu completed in 20 late 2019 and then um it was i forgot why they decided but they decided you know what 
we have this full PC version that's pretty much done, but we'll just bring it to consoles and screw the PC version. That's basically what happened. Yeah, it's, like, it's oh, okay. Well, it's it's clear, and again, normally I wouldn't say this, but it's clear that probably the main reason why is that they were worried about piracy, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because you have people emulating the Switch version now already, mm-hmm. so people are gonna play it on PC anyways. Just release it, just yeah. release it. It's like, yeah, he. The reason why it's not on PC, it is about his ego, but it's not for the reason that he said it is. Well, I guess it could be partially, but yes, like you know, it, it, it definitely like I we both know that piracy is uh, probably a portion of it, and it's like it doesn't matter because hey, you know what? People have this ready on a Switch emulator now. Just well, it is what it is. So well, like you know, it's still a lot of developments to come on like that front. I assume like at the pace people are going, which is kind of crazy, um, but it's. It, We'll have a rough translation by the end of the year. Yeah, it's very possible that's going to happen now. So you know, I, I'll, I'll probably wait wait for that because you know it's it's a big script, and I can I can probably play it in Japanese okay, but it's going to take a long time because there's a lot of terminology and whatnot that I have to go research into as I'm reading that. It's it's crazy, but it, it's looking to be pretty good. Um, uh, people who already finished it, hundred percented it. There's like a hidden trailer in the game. Uh, that uh, is basically part two of that. And to, for people who don't know, Tsukihime has like kind of like two parts to it already. The the original it's called Near Side and Far Side. Near Side uh, is like the two routes of the main characters, uh, Arcuid and Seal, and that those are the ones that are in this remake only. So and then in Far Side, uh, which is uh, that you have additional routes, and that's for the the maids Kohaku and Hisui. And then uh, uh, Akiha, which is uh, Shiki's sister. And so those are the far side routes. Now, uh, in part, the, the hidden trailer, part two to the Sikihime remake, which ha- does have the far, these far side routes on it, um, it's, called, it's titled Sukihime, the other side of Red Garden. And it has a brand new route. Uh, it's teasing a brand new route as well, a long awaited uh, fan favorite, Satsuki Yumizuka. Um, a very uh, crucial side character in the original uh, Tsukihime game. Uh, it, it was weird to people. It's like, why didn't she get around? She seems so prevalent. And like for a long time, that uh, fan base of Tsukihime really, really wanted a route for her to really explore, you know, uh, where, where she comes from. So they might just get that in this uh, sequel announcement. No date on it. Um, so who knows how long it'll take um, for it to release. But that's kind of the long and short of it right now with the Sugihime remake. I I do want to read it uh, sometime. And at the pace we're all going, maybe not too far off in the future. You know, maybe the reason why they didn't release it on PC is that there's actually parts of the uh, sequel already in like the code. I don't know. Well, who knows? Uh, I would have no idea. Yeah. Hopefully, but, if we're lucky, we'll get a PC version along with... Uh, the uh, second part maybe uh, put together, but then again, it's Nasu. We don't know. Hopefully, but yeah. Yep. So that wraps up the games that we've been uh, keeping an eye on and playing. Uh, before we hop into the news, uh, James, you're about, at the time of this coming. You're about to publish this Fantasian review. Um, yep. Now that the full game is out, you've completed it. You've talked about it at length here about how damn hard it is. 
give us a little uh, sneak peek because we both uh, Adam and I haven't really. Well, actually, Adam has edited it, but I haven't really read it yet. Uh, what, what do you mention in your Fantasian review? Uh, basically, the crux of the review is um, I enjoyed it a lot. It has some technical issues. There's a decent amount of crashes, which is kind of surprising for an Apple-published game on an Apple platform. Uh, the big thing that I kind of went over is that the difficulty I was completely fine with, mm-hmm. but there's so much else in the game that would appeal to a wider audience. And it feels a little bit weird that the difficulty is so high and it's almost gatekeeping the experience for so many people when it's literally the only thing in the game that would be a barrier for people enjoying the title. I don't think that's necessarily a problem of it, but it's just it's really weird and it makes it hard to recommend because you have to be a very specific type of player in order to uh, be able to enjoy the uh, game. It's also doubly weird too because like Sakaguchi's Twitter has just been littered with videos are basically like strategy guide videos like here's how you beat this boss or here's what the boss does and that's like it's all it's all he's been really tweeting it's like this is so weird. It's also kind of funny because he's like he's some of it is like written in English and he even admits like sorry if this is broken English he's like he's trying yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 weird man it's like it's like kind of like admitting that's like yeah it's tough but here's how you do it it's like so this is this is how strategy guys are now in the future he's just laying out the future strategy guys it's just going through the the developer's twitter timeline and be like all right <laughs> well I, if people James are mentioned if, this in his review but i i think like the the part of weird part of this is, is this isn't like god i can't believe i'm gonna make this comparison like a game like dark <laughs> souls is you know on yeah. its face it's meant to be like it's selling itself as a ruthless sort of game. Like that's part of its marketing and part of its aesthetic and everything. Where Fantasian is, you know, like, oh, it's a classic RPG from the creator of Final Fantasy. And like, it's not just not the type of game you expect to be so ruthless, right? Came out of nowhere, especially after the first yeah. part was apparently not hard at all, right? So just kind of the second part just sort of piled Yeah, it was a good, yeah. I mean, there was some difficulty like right at the very end, but it just felt like a, I think maybe part of it is is that since they released part one first, they kind of wanted to have like a final boss like difficulty ramp up, and then they were like, "Well, we're already at this difficulty. It would be really weird if we just dropped it." But I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a great game. By the time you're listening to this, the review will be up, so read it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just so weird. It's so weird. All right, heading into uh, the. The, the news, uh, games come off the top, uh, their early announcements and the opening night live, I believe. Uh, 2K and Firaxis have announced Marvel's Midnight Suns, uh, which is uh, for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch and PC for March 2022. This is, uh, they showed a cinematic CGI trailer. Obviously, this is, um, the the, the title of the name uh midnight suns s-u-n-s is referencing midnight suns s-o-n-s like the, that comic uh story branch um adam what can you tell us about marvel's midnight suns yeah so this game has been rumored for a while as just like marvel XCOM, and obviously we can see where that phrasing came from because it's a marvel game from the creators of XCOM, right so that's 
We haven't seen gameplay yet because the trailer was cinematic. It was a cool cinematic, but, you know, it's a cinematic. But um, this game is from Fire Axis, but apparently, according to the like the lead designer, whose name is... Uh, Jake Solomon? Yeah. The game does not really share much in common with with the XCOM's like, mechanics and systems. For example, there is no permadeath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know when, yeah. the game, when the game was rumored, there was... I remember there was murmurs about like you there's like created characters and there's no Marvel characters and that sounded weird and it turns out that it sounded weird because it's not actually the case. There are 13 characters in the game. Uh, one of them, including one of that 13, is like your player main character who is known as the Hunter. And this character, they showed a, a female character in the trailer, but it may be either gender. I don't know. Um, I, I mistaken that for Psylocke because that yeah. because, because Psylocke kind of shares a very similar aesthetic to that. Uh, main character shown in the cinematic trailer yeah i was like so oh that, that's, okay, yeah right. so that character is the is a unique customized character obviously okay. the cinematic there's probably like a canonized version or whatever but um they have that character um who you can set their powers and their equipment and their looks presumably they haven't gone into detail on this and then there's 12 other characters conf- total and they've confirmed iron man captain america captain marvel doctor strange blade Nico Minoru, Magic, Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, uh, and Wolverine. I don't know all these characters. I'm not super into Marvel, but um, yeah. Apparently, this is a little bit of a. Uh, um, there is some flexibility here compared to the Midnight Suns comic in terms of like who is included and who is not, which you know it's their own adaptation of it. Yeah. Um, so it's said to be a single player tactical RPG. I assume there's going to be some XCOM DNA in there, obviously, but it seems like it's not just Marvel XCOM. There's, from what we know from people who have played it, and or maybe not have played it, but they got like previewed on it. We did not get a chance to be, um, but there's some sort of base system where you can talk with the other characters and kind of build relationships with them. Uh, no, you cannot romance Iron Man, apparently. Um, Damn it. Too, too bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's... Um, it's a single-player tactical RPG. They're going to be showing gameplay early next week, so we'll see what it looks like. But uh, it's coming out March 2022, so it's you know less than a year away. It the, the the trailer they showed was pretty cool, but it was just a cinematic, so we'll see how it looks. The roster is already looking at least promising. With like uh, obviously our Captain America and Iron Man, but like more like Marvel characters that don't really get a chance to sh- shine in video games anymore. Like you see. Ghost Rider, which is usually you know really in Marvel versus Capcom, they did, he was also in Ultimate Alliance uh, three, mm-hmm. but you also have Blade, uh, which is you don't see him that much. Um, uh, you see more Doctor Strange these days, but like people like Nico Minoru and Magic, have, you know, you don't see no them at all. Who <laughs> yeah, is. exactly. As someone who's on the periphery of Marvel, like who is this? Is that a <laughs> is that a hero name or is that they just go by like their regular name? But uh, so, they did. I, I'm, this I'm is interested. one of those. Whenever we talk like XCOM, it's like, is is it really an RPG or is it more just like pure strategy? But they specifically called this a tactical RPG. So like, all right, it's in our it's in our wheelhouse. Uh, we'll see what it's all about. Yeah. Um, well, the the Marvel we have a, a lot of video games lately. You know, aside from like the Spider Man PlayStation games, they had obviously the Avengers game last year, which is still getting updates. They also released a new mobile uh, game this week called like Future Revolution or something, Apparently which is pretty good. <laughs> From the uh, very limited uh, impressions I've heard. Mm. Huh. 
Which is kind of like it's, it's supposed to be like a Marvel Heroes esque light esque game, and people apparently like it. I don't know. I, but I, it, it is sort of interesting I, that for quite a while, like the only Marvel game in like the new era of Marvel was Avengers, right? That came out last year, and a couple other mobile games, and Spider Man. Like the Spider Man mm-hmm. games are pretty well regarded. But now we have Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, which right. we'll see how that we'll see how that shapes up. Uh, Idos has been working on it for quite a while. And then we have, uh, now that we have this coming out next year, so those will both be out within a year, and we'll see how this era of Marvel video games will be shaping up. Alrighty, so that's Midnight Suns coming early next year in March. Uh, the next one is really, really cool. Uh, oh, quick, well, one second, before we introduce the next yeah. news topic, we have a new podcast uh, attendee just joining <laughs> us. Whoa. He airdropped. Who is this uh, mysterious uh, participant? Who are you? Hello. This <gasps> is your new friend. Sorry, Hi, Chow. It's just me. Hi, Chow. How, no surprise here. No surprise here. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so uh, welcoming Chow Min Wu to the podcast coming in late because he was having a lunch and he was like, time to we get into the podcast. <laughs> we predicted this would happen. Like, he'll probably just <laughs> pop in late. Yeah. And he did. It's all right. It's all right, Chow. We're we're here. We're at the news section. You've infiltrated. How are you, man? I am great. Great. Awesome. Do you do you want to add anything before we move on to the news? Get too far to the news. Do you want to uh, add any? Do you want to add any to like uh to any any shoutouts of games you've been playing lately or anything like that? Well, I guess I'm gonna go back playing Bravely Default too because it's coming out in PC pretty soon. <laughs> oh, you already spo- you spoiled it. We didn't get there yet. Shit. Fuck. Well, uh, we'll get. <laughs> We'll, we'll get we'll get there soon, but uh, uh, obviously Chow Minwoo and Brian Vitali have been working on a Bravely Default 2 walkthrough for the site, a full walkthrough. It's been, it's a long, long, daunting game, so they've been kind of like, okay, let's take a break on it a little bit, getting burned out, so they're going to probably hop back on it uh, with this uh, an upcoming news topic we're, we're going to get to in a bit. But yeah, it's uh, best of luck to you, man. Yeah, and, uh, and Chao has been responsible for all the fantastic maps you guys have been seeing on the Bravely Default 2 guides if you've been checking it out. Uh, they're, since the game doesn't have an in-game map, it's very helpful for a lot of people. And yeah, we're going to get there. Any Anything else, Chao? Um, not a game that I could really kind of give enough info about since I didn't fully beat the game, but uh, yeah. I think okay. the last thing I've played was Ender Lilies, and I didn't get really far in the game to give like a really valid opinion about it. I want to play Ender okay. Lilies. It seems like it's pretty good. Yeah, me too. That uh, it's it's been catching my eye, but there's also been like a million games in right, the, exactly. that on my eye. So, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, we have uh, another announcement this time from the creators of Black Desert Online, Pearl Abyss. They uh, unveiled their creature collecting open world action adventure. Holy crap, that's a lot of descriptors. Yeah. Dokev. It's Dokevi, I think. Is that oh, Dokevi? Okay. Uh, all right, Dokevi. This is um, uh, supposedly an MMO, right? Okay, so I... this, this has actually been like a, it was like a topic of the week. So this, okay. game, this game was announced a few years ago at like G Star, which is sort of a Korean uh, games expo. And Pearl Abyss actually announced a few games then. Uh, two of them that are interesting to us are Crimson Desert and Dokavi. Both of those games were called MMOs. 
when Crimson Desert was re-revealed at Games, the Games Award last year, they no longer call it an MMO. And now Dokavi, when we reported on it, and lots of people reported on it from its Gamescom showing, it was also shown as a, or it was also reported as an MMO. But then the developers themselves out on Twitter and everything are like, nope, it is not. Not an MMO, not an MMO. Wrong. It is a creature collecting open world. What was the other descriptor? Action adventure. Yeah. But yeah, this trailer that they showed during opening Gamescom opening night live, um, it seemed to catch a lot of eyes. Uh, when they announced the game last year that it wasn't any footage, it was like a key art and a paragraph. So, you know, it kind of just slipped, slipped under the radar, right? There was nothing to see. And then when they showed this trailer, I think a lot of people were like, what is this? This looks cool. And it's got this like Korean pop music here. Uh, uh, yeah, it, 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 definitely, it definitely caught a lot of eyes because like the premise was interesting. It's like it's like realistic environments. Like the environments really, really stand. It's like, like an urban, modern urban environment. But then like a lot of the game is like kind of like uh, youth spirit because uh, like the characters that have it are like kids essentially. So it's a lot of like skateboarding and like. Uh, uh, fl- like traveling in like weird ways, like there was like a like a thumbnail they YouTube is like a kid on an umbrella like uh, flying over the city, and it, it it definitely has like this part Splatoon, part Pokemon, but in an urban modern environment vibe to it. I'm interested in playing it. It looks cool. I mean, a lot of like MMOs, even though this is not an MMO, they claim to be, but they're always in like in the mid fantasy setting right or it's a really future lexo setting it's never like something modern i would say yeah yeah it, and, looks, uh, it looks great just like from a you know visual standpoint it's colorful it's, there's lots of particle effects it's it, the trailer did have some like frame rates and slowdown frame rate issues and slowdown and things like that but it looks really impressive and apparently it's all real gameplay too yeah just i can't even imagine so i'm really interested to see how this will fare I, I, it seems early though like who Apparently, knows when this is going to come out they showed a second like interview with the developers it's Pearl Abyss so they're like a Korean development team um, mm-hmm. they showed a second some footage with an interview with the developers in like the future show the future games show on um, the games mm-hmm. radar parent company and whatnot. and they said in that show coming in 2022 and like, oh, it's next year, cool. But then apparently, uh, when people reported on that, they got contacted by Pearl Abyss saying, no, it's actually not coming out in 2022. So it sounds like okay. it's a ways away still. Which you know, yeah. MMOs. If if it, they don't call it an MMO, but if it has any sort of like online capabilities, big massive worlds or whatnot at all, it it, it does take a while to, to develop. So. It seems, it seems like even the even the marketing off the off the from the get go is like even rocky here too. It's like it's like is this an MMO? No, it's not an MMO. Uh, well, you just guys just said it's twenty twenty two. The stream, it's like nah, it's not twenty twenty two. Okay, well. all right. Uh, but yeah, this the this is one to really keep an eye out on. I I still feel really weird that like the the takeaway a lot of people got from this stream is like this is what uh, this is what I wish next gen Pokemon looked like. It's like it's so. <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe. It seems like but, it's a uh, mix. They call it a creature collector, and there, it does show some of the creatures. Like there's like a I saw a llama. There's like a like a pink panda thing, and some other creatures. yeah. But there's also like this. It seems like sort of this playground sort of stuff too. Like it has characters on like rollerblades and skates and like hang mm-hmm. gliders and you know water guns and things like that. Just I don't know. Would they? In terms of this game, it's not. 
100% clear like when you if once this game comes out like what do you actually do like yeah, we don't a lot know of clips, yet. but it, it it seems you know it seems promising as you know just like this childhood playground colorful creature game but we'll see yeah the only thing that I feel like is off about it because I, I guess it's because it's because it's like their environments are so realistic it's like the the character models themselves feel like uncanny valley uh, in contrast to that yeah, but other than that, it's like uh, I guess the easiest comparison to the, what the characters look like is like like the Lala Fells in Final Fantasy. Kinda, yeah, More. yeah. But yeah, but yeah all, the... all, all the characters seem to be like children, like you know, from like ten to thirteen years old or whatever. Yeah. Well, the one to keep uh, an eye out on. It's uh, it really caught the world by storm this week. I checked the trailer uh, has like five million views already. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. That's, I think people uh, are just listening to the music, truly. Time for the Pokemon company to get started on their HD MMO, then. <laughs> if that ever happens. Uh, let's see. Uh, this was also announced at uh, Opening Night Live. Uh, an update on Horizon Forbidden West uh, from uh, Guerrilla Games. Uh, they uh, said that, you know, they were working on it, we're working hard on it, uh, we, were, we were trying to get it out this year, but obviously, you know, game development is still kind of in a weird situation with COVID still going on and whatnot, but they did give a release date for it, it is now coming um, on February 18th, uh, 2022, and to kind of ease, ease the pain a little for having to wait uh, for just a little longer, they also uh, announced and released that Horizon Zero Dawn Got a PS5 performance patch, so now that game will run at 60 FPS on PS5s. Mm -hmm. And people have been asking for that for a while, especially since the PC version had it. It's like, why not? Yeah, exactly. And that was one of my questions too. It's like, I, I, I don't want to rebuy it on PC to um, uh, yeah. play it on a higher frame rate. So yeah, cool. So uh, yeah, when I, when I eventually get a PS5, I can take my copy mm -hmm. of Horizon and play it at 60, and not have to just simply to get a PS5. Yeah, uh, that's easy, right? Um, buy from a sculptor. Hell no. But yeah, there was there was like a reporting earlier that Horizon had been delayed, and you know, it's almost September. But you know, if it was coming out this year, it's like they're getting pretty close here. If they're going to announce it, they need to announce it soon. So maybe it wasn't the longer, the further we got into the year, it wasn't less and less surprising that it was not coming out into. The, do you in think the it was? Um, but early next year. Go ahead. Uh, do you think it was supposed to be like released like just like right now because it's coming to Genshin Impact, like LA? Do you think that their original think, plan even, was even probably around now? Even when they announced the game earlier, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but. It, they weren't it sounds like they hedged themselves a bit in terms of when it was releasing this year they're like aiming for 2021 sort of thing um so it, i don't know how confident they were but yeah they did recently add aloy to her to genshin right or is it soon is she out now yeah so, it'll be next it'll be next week okay, next tuesday next update, yeah um which is that's their first collaboration character, so it's kind of interesting. Like, who else might show up? If I if I knew Genshin was getting collaborations, uh, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn wouldn't have been my first guess. But there yeah, she I think is. that caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. Very um, weird. 
But, usually you do these as like a cross-marketing kind of thing, right? It's like, hey, I promote your game and your game should be like out now, right? Usually it's kind of uh, like, uh, like that. Yeah, right? if, if, if I were to guess, you know, like the original plans were like, we should try to get Horizon Forbidden West as like a big holiday 2021 game because that'll ship consoles uh, on holiday. So, but I, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that they were able to like, you know, push it back, say, hey, you know, things are still a mess right now. Give the developers as much time as they need to like really make this game the best that it could be at launch uh, game delays rarely ever bother me yeah i have plenty to play so it's like no big deal yeah by the, <laughs> time, it rolls, by the time it rolls around in february i'll still be like there's too many games you know yeah exactly so so and just non-stop onslaught i mean i won't year. have a ps5 anyway so you can still play on ps4 i can always buy the ps4 version right? yeah um, mm-hmm. and, uh, don't worry ps4 version is gonna be fantastic to, um, honestly it'll probably just you know look like zero dawn which is okay <laughs> like yeah just, zero dawn still re- looks really good on, yeah. uh, on a piece of store so it's like okay mm-hmm. um <laughs> an announcement that uh kind of caught a lot of everyone by surprise at uh opening night live they had this uh performance of uh, i forgot the uh the performance Lindsay name. Sterling, yes yeah she gave an impressive performance at opening night live uh playing the violin uh uh playing like a rearrangement of like the tales of arise battle theme so she was like in cosplay per like dancing uh, while playing the violin. dancing yeah. yeah it was awesome um, i think the uh, thing that confuses me the most is when jeff said classic song from tales of arise yeah, like i was like classic it hasn't yeah. been released yet i never even hear any music in this game yet <laughs> Anyway, uh, I love that. <laughs> so after that, they uh, out of nowhere um, they announced uh, Tales of Luminaria. It is a brand new Tales game for mobile devices. Um, unlike <laughs> uh, unlike the turn based one that they released last year with Tales of Crystoria, this will have a more traditional Tales of uh, combat system. So it'll be have like an action uh, combat system with a fully original cast and. Uh, they said after that announcement that it'll have no returning characters. It's a brand new cast. We're only interested in this brand new cast. I remember when Adam, Chris Moria well, was first announced, it seemed like it was going that route too. Like, here's a unique original Tales cast for a mobile game. And then like soon later, soon after, it's like, oh, you can also just have everyone else from the series join as well. But now yeah, so the, 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 it seems like it's actually like no no crossovers, like no existing Tales characters, all new. So Crystoria, like Crystoria, is weird because there are like the Tales characters from past games like exist in the world as story characters. So I'll go through yeah, the main like story, Crystoria. Yeah, there's, it's like an alternate canon of those characters, right? So. Yeah, like yeah. So like one of them is like the mentor of the main character, and the other one is like this just bumbling idiot at like a nearby village. But it's like they're they're not they're separate from like their the games they come from. And whatnot. So the, this is, this one is the mentor like Cress or somebody. Uh yeah, yeah. Cress is the mentor. <laughs> is it Cress or Cless? So, I always forget what his official I name is. I, I think it's Cress. I think. So I think. Too. Yeah. So that it's kind of a weird thing to announce this because Crystoria only came out July of last year. So just it barely, barely passed its. Old. Yeah. 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 It's barely passed its first anniversary. So now to like celebrate its first anniversary. Here's a brand new Tales game, and that and this announcement obviously has that user base, Western user base, kind of like feeling weird because 
if you remember a few years back, they did a localization and a Western release for Tales of the Ray, uh, which is another mobile game that's still pretty much thriving in Japan from what I, uh, what I heard. Um, but that got like unceremoniously got shut down in the West because it wasn't performing well. Um, whatever happened behind the scenes on that seemed like a mess. And it's like, and people really wanted more of that because that's because they had so much to look forward to the Japanese version. But Square Enix, or not Square Enix, Bandai Namco was like, nah, that this is not working for us. So even going to Castoria, people were already feeling burned that Tales of the Rays got shut down in the West. And now uh, we've gone full circle again where it's like, oh, they announced a new Tales game that's, uh, this one is, is, they're aiming for a worldwide simultaneous release, which is going to be like, well, no, Cristoria yeah. got a worldwide simultaneous as well, if I remember. So this yeah, is not this is not gonna be new for it, but um, but it has that uh fan base or user base hesitance, like um. So what does that mean for Cristoria yeah, then? Yeah, because- can you imagine if you're like a Cristoria player, right, and you've been playing it regularly for the last year, and now it's like, wait, there's another like Tales game. Like, what about what about the game I've been playing for the last year? Yeah. So, and it, it's no it's no secret that like Cristoria isn't really doing well at least in the west i don't know how it's doing in japan but at least for the west it's like i don't know how many people are still playing a lot of the people that i know even including me like you know we dropped it like after a certain number of months it's like i don't know how many people are still left playing that game because it has an interesting like cast and main story but a lot of its systems are very you know it doesn't have any cross like i'm i'm personally not like a huge fan of crossovers but I understand that's that's a big selling point for these sorts of games is, you know, some character that is your favorite character from your favorite game or whatever. If it's like, hey, I can get this character in this mobile game, that's like a reason to play it, right? So right. knowing that if you, even if you're a Tales fan, like, and you've played every game and you have your favorite characters, like, here's a new Tales game, but it's got a new cast, which you may or may not like. It doesn't have your favorite character. Like, I feel like there's a more of a barrier to are you going to try this out maybe you'll maybe you'll like the new cast uh, you know like i know like near reincarnation for example i know that has an original story and original characters but i think the fact that you can roll and get 2b and 9s and a2 is probably a considerable reason to pick it up right so yeah for yeah, for a lot of people i'm sure yes um so yeah, I mean, this will be interesting to see. They haven't actually like, confirmed if this will have like a gotcha system. Obviously, if it's no, a free-to-play yeah. mobile game, um, it's looking like it. But we don't know yet. Like they haven't actually announced that yeah, yet. The, the only other things they said were um, they showed twelve characters, but there's going to be more than that. I mean, being a mobile game, there's probably going to be lots of characters by it's all when it's all said and done, right? Yeah. Um, they did say that they are planning for English voices, uh, presumably right. in, in addition to Japanese. You know, just I guess that shows maybe the sort of ambitions they have like we're going to release this to the world and we want a broad audience so we want those who play in english to play this game as well so that's because that's something crestoria didn't have for example but yeah and then like and like really know much else mm-hmm. and also like just in general like from their perspective like their philosophies on it is like they had did an interview with some of the uh members like yusuke tomizawa which is the you know producer of tales of arise general ip producer of the tales of series you know he said he mentioned that tales of arise like it's based on the theme of inheritance and evolution we've heard that you know with arise marketing while luminaria uh their theme is possibilities and discoveries they want to expand the possibilities of the brand and have people discover its appeal once again and whatnot so that's kind of Tales game has like a, a a genre like that, and to be honest, it's just mm-hmm. kind of gobbledygook to me. It's <laughs> well, it's like yeah. what they named their battle systems. It's like 
linear motion down system or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Come on, limbs. So, they, they did. They, they didn't give a like a general release time frame or anything, no, right? Nope. Okay. They say soon, but like soon could literally mean anything. Like soon as in next month, or soon as in thirteen months from Eight now. Eight years. <laughs> um. So there's a Tales of Luminaria. Uh, next up on the dog is not uh, wasn't at Gamescom, but it was a welcome announcement. Um, there there was a Monster Rancher thing going on in Japan, and they announced that Monster Rancher One and Two DX is coming to uh, Switch, PC, uh, via Steam and iOS on December 9th. And th- this these DX versions are also coming west. Uh, if you remember that Monster Rancher. One and two did get like recent re-releases in Japan, but I think that was only for mobile and Switch only. Yeah. So this is adding a PC release and a worldwide release. Um, I don't know much about Monster Hunter, but I remember seeing the anime of it back when I was Monster a kid or Rancher, not Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah, Monster Rancher. Yeah, I remember seeing an anime of it when I was a mm-hmm. kid or something like that. Does that yeah, really exist or? Yeah. Or am I just playing? No, and the anime was cool. I I watched a, a shitload of the anime. It was awesome. Yeah, that, that that catchy like opening song and whatnot, um, and it does like the anime is like they they summon like uh, monsters via discs, like these ancient discs. And the appeal of the games, uh, you know, this is at least true for these games on PS One, and also some of the games on PS Two was you get like real life like music CD albums, like say I have like this Metallica album and put it into the system while this game is running, you can like summon a monster from that album because you put that album in. It's like oh you. We recognize that you have this album, and then we'll sudden like a pixie from it or whatnot. It's like okay, cool, sweet. Obviously, uh, these re-releases, uh, we don't have that functionality one to one. Let's say like I'm not, I can't fit like a uh, this Metallica album into my Switch or whatever to summon a monster. Well, they do have, yeah, yeah sure. You can, yeah, good <laughs> luck. Um, they have this online CD database where. Um, you can just summon monsters based on like the unique ID that the uh, unique identifier that an uh, album album may have, and then put that up. I don't know exactly how exhaustive this online CD database is, especially for the Western release. There's a lot of questions about that, but you know, at, at the very least, it'll be a cheaper prospect than back then. Like, hey, I want to buy these like five albums from like artists that I don't listen to, but I want to summon monsters from them. <laughs> so that's why, and a lot of people did that. <laughs> I shit you not. Uh, that sounds crazy. I didn't know it had something like that, dude. It was awesome. It was it was it was, it was somewhat costly, but it was like you had like a uh, discussion about it. It's like if you could track down this album, it'll give you this sick ass monster. It's like all right, but where can I find? Where's the where's the nearest mall from here to fucking get that from like Tower Records or something? So uh, that's coming December 9th. Um, I'm really excited. The Monster Rancher games, uh, at least the early ones, are pretty awesome. Um, very, they're, they're they're not like battle focused. Like the battles are kind of done automatically, but it's all about breeding the monster and making sure, like you know, do you want it to raise it a certain way to have these traits, which is effective against this monster and whatnot. So it's a whole ordeal with that as you're like kind of raising a farm of monsters, which is uh, it's a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's coming out in Our, December. Yep, I think December ninth. Mm-hmm. So now we're moving on to the smaller news topics, and uh, leading that we have a, a release date 
for the fourth installment of the Pixel Remaster series from Square Enix. Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster is coming September 9th for mobile devices and PC. Um, so to anyone who's looking to FF4, you're going to be able to play it uh, very soon, like within about two, a little under two weeks. And the the current Pixel Remasters that are up on um, for PC, uh, Final Fantasy 1 through 3, they also got a patch. What's in this patch, Adam? So the patch does not address the font. <laughs> which is what people were hoping for but um it addresses things like um there the games on pc had this weird issue where it always opens in a window um and then if you were to set it to like full screen or whatever or borderless and then play the game and then quit and then load it up again it's back in a window just kind of like a tedious thing like why do you do this so they fixed that yep. um and then there was the games the game had some uh v-sync scrolling issues for some players on PC, if you have a high enough refresh rate, or if you have a graphics card that uh, you can like force VSync, it, it wasn't a big deal. But for people who are just playing it, you know, on basic laptops or whatever, they fix that. So, or they, I should say, they address that for windowed mode, and they're looking into fixing it more thoroughly. And they did say that there are going to be more patches, or they're they're planning for more patches. So. Um, We'll see if they address those more thoroughly. If they if they do anything about the font, they uh, also fix some, some like individual issues in each game, um, here and there. Like I think there was like in Final Fantasy III, there's a spot where like the water didn't appear correctly, and I believe that's been fixed based on what I've heard. Okay. So yeah, just kind of like some some fixing some of the more obviously tedious issues, and then some of these other things, and they're going to be patching it more. The font thing is weird. Like, we if you, you can mod it, changing it to the Japanese like version of the English font gives you a pretty suitable font, just pretty simply. And if that's still not good enough for you, you can mod in your own retro font however you want. But man, that original, like, I don't understand what they're going for with that standard. They're, they're so they're so adamant to stick with it too. Like with all the FF four. I'm just curious about when they release it on console and you won't be able to change it. Like you're just stuck with it. I don't know, man. It's not even. Weird. It's not even just like uh, you know. Uh, so this is kind of a, a slightly weird find. You get used to it. Like this is kind of off. Like actually awful. A <laughs> use mm-hmm. space. It just looks weird. It, 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 yeah. uh, there's there's a, there's a tweet from the Final Fantasy uh, Twitter account that they it posted when it was announcing Final Fantasy Four. It said something. It's, it posted the Spoonie Bard line from Final Fantasy Four. It's like classic dialogue from this classic Final Fantasy. It, uh, and and you know, kind of predictably, all the replies and quotes to it were joking like, "What dialogue? I can't see it because it's so small. <laughs> I can't read it." And it's also weird because some of the FF4 Pixel Remastered like uh, advertisement clips that they've been showing like have some weird graphics glitches. Yep, um, they, they did a glitch yes, or they showed a video yesterday that had some different scenes in it. And one specific one was when like Cecil is taking on Dark Cecil, fighting himself. Mm-hmm. One of the attacks just like went in the wrong direction, like literally. Like, oh yeah. Here, <laughs> I don't know. That's darkness, I guess. Yeah. yeah, he like shoots out behind him and hits Cecil. I'm like what? Now the 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 first three games have seems like they've been obviously they were very heavily scrutinized before they released, um, which you know of course they were, but it seems like overall people are pretty happy with them. 
like they all got positive reviews on on Steam. Even Final Fantasy II, which is sort of a black sheep, has mostly positive reviews on Steam. So it seems like people are pretty happy um, with them so far. Obviously, Final Fantasy IV is like beloved by a lot of people, uh, yeah. more so than the first three. So we'll see how that shakes up. But yeah, that's uh, about a week and a half away. I'm yeah, I'm really interested to see if like if these glitches that we they've already advertised is, is in the final product. I, I'm kind of interested to see what people's findings are for that. Obviously, you and I, Adam, are committed. We got the Pixel Remaster bundle, so come hell or high water, we're we're in it for the long run. All right, moving on, we have a surprise announcement from Square Enix that came out of nowhere this week. Uh, they are uh, bringing Bravely Default two. Uh, coming to Steam uh, next week on September second. Now the the fact that like it coming to Steam, I think we kind of were like, ah, it'll probably come to Steam at some point, like after yeah. a year long exclusivity tr- contract or whatnot. But we didn't kind kind of see this coming. Like, oh, it's releasing this soon, huh? Just here you go, next week. Yeah, I expected it to be more like Octopath Traveler, which released, I believe, in summer two thousand eighteen, and then it came to to Steam like summer two thousand nineteen. So it came out like a year later. Um, but here, you know, six months and it's out. So yeah, expected announcement um, maybe just earlier than we thought it would be. I, I wonder, I wonder if it's going to be weird, but I, do you think it has a chance of coming to like Xbox game pass the same way? Octopath? <laughs> Watch it just show up on like one of those random, here's what's coming to game pass posts. And it's just in there like, Oh, I it's guess like, oh, default two is coming. Uh, I yeah. think that happened with Octopath where it just showed up and Square yep. Enix like didn't even announce it like there was no square enix announcement saying octopath traveler is coming to game pass it literally just showed up in like an xbox wire post you know here's the game pass you know lineup for this month and there it was there it is and that's also dragon quest builders 2 was similar just here it is yeah <laughs> I, i'm i'm pretty sure it's inevitable it's going to be on game pass eventually just <laughs> it probably won't be at launch because again dragon quest builders 2 was on PC for like a year and a half before it was added to Game Pass. So I wouldn't be shocked if a year and a half from now we'll get Bravely Default 2 on both Xbox and Game Pass. That'd be really cool. It is sort of weird to think that like Octopath Traveler, which is, you know, a different game than Bravely Default 2, but sort of in similar classic RPG Square Enix realm. Um, It's available on Switch, PC, and Xbox, but not PlayStation. It's kind of awkward. Square Enix also announced that Bravely Default 2 has sold over 950,000 copies. So it's well on its way to uh, crossing a million very soon, if not already. And uh, obviously with the uh, coming PC version, it'll... it'll uh, who knows how much that'll sell. Yeah. Does these sales include the Western release too? Or these are just yeah, strictly has, yeah, fan sales? 950,000 just in Japan would be gigantic. So. <laughs> no, I was just asking, but I'm like, I don't remember the second game bombing that hard, though. 500,000? It I did. Think. It did. The so second game. They announced, um, when they announced uh, the new mobile game, which is Brilliant Lights, Bravely Default Brilliant Lights, which was never announced for the West, by the way, they said, and this was last month, Square Enix said that the series had sold 3 million. And um, I don't remember if we have Bravely Default sales from back then for the original game. The second game is now, let's just say, a million round up. I, I have to imagine that Bravely Default 1, remember, it had multiple versions in Japan, um, probably sold, you know, 
shy of two million, a million and a half, let's say. And Bradley's second probably is around, you know, a few hundred thousand. Uh, I have to imagine that's the case. Yeah, yeah one I thing think- to consider about Bravely Second is that it. I remember that I actually imported Bravely Second before it came out in the West, and if I had waited like just two weeks, I would have been able to buy uh, bought it for like five hundred yen because people really didn't like it, and the price for it just absolutely tanked. Yeah, I did the same thing too. I bought the limited edition, and next thing you know, it was on sale at like Amiami for like twenty five bucks. I was like, shit. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it is very well documented. Bravely Second just did not do well for one 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 reason or another. It's just for we've already some, covered it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Colin was on a podcast a couple months ago, and he you know he really loves the game. Um, and the Western releases are, was tweaked from the Japanese release uh, because of some like functional like quest things that we've talked about before that were kind of weirdly received. So they tried to fix it, and then people didn't like that it was changed. You know, it's just kind of a mess. But yeah. um, this is already like in a sensitive time, also where Bravely Second had like some of like its content altered for the West, and it like it, and the alterations weren't great either. Like I think, well, I think one they class had, that uh, was a cowboy or an Indian that they turned into a cowboy, which yeah, is, you, you can understand the rationale, but it was just that changing some of the uh, they changed some of the quest storyline structure. They're you know they're trying to improve it from what it was in Japan, but. It, it it just kind of became a mess and it was just, you know, unfortunate. Oh, there's a lot of things that go on. I, I also feel like they did the characters dirty. Like, they made one of the characters a buffoon in order for comic relief, and she was a pretty serious character in the original, so right. I didn't yeah. like that. Also, like, when we're talking about Bravely Second's, like, Western reception to the localization, you, you gotta understand that that was right in the middle of a bunch of, like, 3DS and Wii U games coming over with like with changes and it kind of just like was part of like a kind of snowball effect where people are like why is nintendo like doing all this stuff because i think like nintendo like technically published bravely second or something in the west i don't know bravely but it was just actually had some quote censorship too with the vampire yep. costume but it sold well otherwise um but uh in terms of for some context so this let's just say bravely default 2 is at a million just to make it easy um, Trials of Mana hit 1 million uh, in about 10-11 uh, months after its release. Just keeping in mind that Trials of Mana released on PS4, Switch, and PC, so more platforms. So Bravely Fail 2 is going to hit a million sooner than Trials of Mana did. However, like Octopath Traveler, when it released on Switch, it sold about a million in a month. So that did really well. Uh, and Bravely Fail 2 is not quite that fast. I believe Octopath Traveler now... It's on multiple platforms now. Is that like two and a half million? Which has to be pretty good for that, you know, for that style of game. So one million for Bravely Default 2, and it'll certainly, you know, pass that a bit with a PC release. You know, it's it sounds pretty good. I don't know. We don't know what Square Enix's expectations were for what the game were. If they had loftier expectations in this. But for the type of game it is, for being on a single platform, it's nothing to sneeze at. Any closing thoughts on Bravely Default 2 uh, coming to Steam and selling that uh, 950000 Not right. really. Other than the Steam release, it's just it's going to be here. You know, by the time we're on the podcast, yeah, week, it's already out. So yeah, and there's no, I'm like, I forgot. There's like there's like no enhancements or modes it didn't to, uh, to this. Didn't mention anything at all. Okay. 
Okay. Little yeah, plot holes. I feel that needs to be covered in the game, though. But I don't think we'll see that. All right. That's for the next one. Uh, collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend. Uh, no longer a Switch exclusive. It is coming to Steam and mobile devices. The mobile devices are coming on September twenty second. Happy birthday to me! And the Steam release is coming uh, on October twenty first in the West. And these collection of Saga games, they have uh, Final Fantasy Legend, Final Fantasy Legend Two, and Final Fantasy Legend Three. I forgot. I forgot they are all just called Final Fantasy Legend. So technically, the first one is called the Final Fantasy Legend. Oh, with sorry. The article. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> so it's the Final Fantasy Legend, and then Final Fantasy Legend Two. <laughs> well, what's coming with these uh, uh, re-releases? Is there anything new coming with them, Adam? So it sounds. It really seems like so. These are the fir- these are the first three games in the saga series. If you're not counting Final Fantasy II as the saga series, um, that came out on Game Boy in like the late '80s and early '90s, and uh, they released for Switch. They were packaged and released for Switch last December, and it was a Switch exclusive bundle at the time. And now they're coming out on mobile devices and PC. It, it seems like the only thing they mentioned in this version that wasn't in the Switch version is it says supports up to 4K, which is a little bit weird. Cause it's like, these are Game Boy games. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, I want a fucking 4K resolution on Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, I guess your, your, your artwork that like borders your screen for the widescreen will be really nice i guess <laughs> man i mean I, I will totally respect the person who puts the puts, puts this up on their gigantic tv yeah, it's like just, yeah i'm play, I, I I play a man. game boy game on my 60 inch 4k <laughs> tv um, uh i do I these it. games are like they're old like obviously mm-hmm. they're old uh i actually played i know some people who who played these when you know they were kids and have like a nostalgia for them, and you know they have picked up the Switch version, or might be picking up one of these versions to you know relive their childhood in a way. I played these games five, four, five years ago, maybe not even that long um, ago. It's definitely the type of game you kind of have to go into it either with the nostalgia or just with the expectation, understanding that these games are old. And they're not only are they old, they're weird, just like soggy games are always weird. So you kind of have to just go in with that mindset. I think the third Final Fantasy Legend or Saga Free plays more like a Final Fantasy game than the Saga game. Yeah, people argue that Final that. Fantasy Legend Three is not even a Saga game because it, it Kawazu didn't work on it. Uh, it doesn't really have Saga mechanics, so it's. I know some people actually like that one because of that. It's like this one is the least Saga Saga game, so it's good. Um, but that's just how it is. Now, one thing that I have seen some people wonder about. Which is, you know, a fair fair point is, okay, so if this game can be ported from Switch to PC, why not Collection of Mana? And why not mm. those, 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 like, Dragon Quest games that also had a triple trilogy bundle on Switch? And right. like, fair question. Why not? Who knows? Maybe yeah. they were just waiting for some big announcement. I mean, they did all this with the gotcha game announcement, remember? Yeah. It's been it's been a while. I can't, I can't find the article anymore, but I remember reading, for at least for Collection of Mana, that, like, Nintendo's like like partially funded or for some reason like Nintendo was involved with like officially localizing. Yeah, uh, there is there is something about the localization of Trials of Mana where they had to actually adjust the ROM of Trials of Mana in some way to get it to actually fit the English text. 
and Nintendo and I, had to you know do something with that. So that right. might, that might be preventing it in some manner. Yeah, I, I would love for them to come to other platforms for sure, but you know that's just kind of the weird hold up right there. As for the Dragon Quest ones, I don't know. It's Square Enix, man. <laughs> Square Enix is weird sometimes. Um, Maybe they're, maybe they're waiting for a fucking Dragon Quest pixel remasters at some point. I, it's also sort of weird that uh, like Final Fantasy pixel remasters aren't coming to platforms yet. They'll inevitably come, but it just it kind of reminds me that like the Square or the uh, the Dragon Quest games they announced a couple months back, none mm-hmm. of them they listed any platforms for, which is just slightly odd. Like the Dragon Quest three remaster or whatever you want to call it dragon quest 3 hd they didn't list platforms at all um the dragon quest treasures game no platforms at all so i have to imagine those games aren't that far out dragon quest 12 didn't have platforms either but maybe that game's you know years and years away so who knows but just a little bit awkward we have uh, a new dlc for wasteland 3 with cult of the holy detonation coming october 5th what can you tell us about this uh wasteland 3 dlc yeah, so I think I mentioned when they announced the first DLC, which is the Battle of Steel Town that came out earlier this summer, I wasn't really expecting Wasteland 3 to get DLC. And then they just announced yeah. it. I'm like, oh, sure. I like Wasteland 3. Why not? What's the extent um, of this DLC? It's like a new story? Yeah, so the uh, first DLC is... It, so on the world map, there's like different locations you can go to on the map that are it ends up basically being like a dungeon area with a storyline and quests and whatnot. So the first DLC was basically that, you know, it's like a new area on the map. You go there and it's sort of this self-contained storyline with various quests and side quests and things like that. And I actually did play the first DLC and I thought it was pretty good. It added like a gimmick, like a DLC gimmick, which is a little bit more iffy. Now this DLC uh, seems to be more, uh, was it Fallout 3? Cult of the Holy De- Detonation where they're like worshiping a nuke. That's like That seems like straight out of Fallout 3, right? Um, but... Uh, it seems like it'll be just a similar sort of story expansion um, with the premise being, you know, call to the holy destination, people who are holy detonation, which are like worshiping some sort of nuclear thing. So it's a post-apocalyptic game. Um, one thing interesting about this DLC is it's it's like half the price of the first DLC. So I don't know if it's like smaller. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Wasteland 3 is a good game. I'll probably play this DLC. And... You know, if people like Wasteland 3, they might enjoy these DLCs. I just don't know if it's like... I don't know how many people are coming back to the game to play these, but they're releasing them. They also announced that the, the there's like a collection now, now right, for the Wasteland oh, 3 yeah, they're, they're, Eventually, they're, or when this DLC releases, they're going to sell like a collection of the... which is like the new $60 price point for Wasteland 3 will include both the DLCs. So if you buy this game a year from now like you know what i heard good things about this game you'll get all of it included now so okay that's cool you know if you play the game uh if you come into the game late you'll get everything with it all right so the colorado collections also is coming for pc xbox one and ps4 for on october 5th and as you said uh just the standard 60 dollars price point but with all both of the dlcs included with it already it'll be interesting to see you know because in exile is now they were purchased by Microsoft, and they're going to be working on some RPG for them. I believe job postings seem to indicate that it's a first-person RPG, so like Elder Scrolls or Fallout, modern Fallout or whatever. But Wasteland Three was pretty well received, I think, and kind of showed what they can do. And that was a 
you know, a crowdfunded game, really. Um, well, what has NXile done besides the Wasteland 2 and 3? They did Wasteland know? 2 and 3. Uh, before that, they did some they did some Xbox 360 games based on uh, World of Darkness. Was it like Hunter the Demon Forge? Which I know was sort of like this weird cult. Uh, was that was that a third person action game? If uh, I remember correctly, I think so. Right. Hunted the Demons Forge is a cooperative multiplayer action yeah. game. Yeah, on yeah. For like the 360 PS3 era. Um, yeah, but yeah. Oh, they also did a the Bard Tales Four, which I thought it was a oh. pretty good game. Uh, but it's a very it's a dungeon. It's like a Western dungeon crawler first person puzzler game. So not a very broad appeal i think but i thought it was actually pretty good i think wasteland 3 is like the first game that they've made that i think was pretty verifiably you know a hit in terms of like critical and commercial reception it seems like it's done pretty well for them so i'm curious to see with microsoft backing now obviously it's years away but what they can do as a microsoft studio rpg studio so it's interesting to us so (laughs) Uh, coming on a timely basis, uh, Bandai Namco has uh, finally released the demo for Scarlet Nexus on Steam. Uh, you know, just right, right on time. Good job, Bandai Namco. Uh, that, this demo um, came out before uh, the full game, like you know, like a normal demo would on on consoles. Uh, it had like a one week exclusive on Xbox. So for anyone who still hasn't checked out Scarlet Nexus and uh, was played on PC. You know, it's finally available there. Uh, they also announced a new DLC for Scarlet Nexus. Um, what's a, what's up with this DLC for Scarlet Nexus? Scarlet Nexus, it had no DLC announced before, besides like some small like pre-order bonus things, which I thought was a little weird because Bond and Namco games almost always have costume DLC item packs. Or what have you, you know? Like, if you look up you Tales of Arise, there's already got, like, tons of DLC, and it's not even out yet. So I always thought that was a little weird, that, like, Scarlet Nexus doesn't have any DLC at all. Like, no costumes. It kind of did have it. It had, it had costumes, like, with, like, like the uh, Ultimate it, Edition. Yeah, like, pre-order costumes, but, like, no, yeah. not much DLC otherwise. I think it has, like, one DLC pack that has, like, a few things, but that's it. But anyway, It's like, it's like, or, or equipment or something, something like yeah, that. just a small thing. But um, now they announced... It is getting paid DLC. It's going to be in three waves. Like there's going to be like three sets of paid DLC. And so far, what they've announced is that the first set of DLC is going to have new weapons and costumes. And they showed off some of the costumes in a screenshot. It, you know, they, they actually don't look. They look like slight variations of what they already have, different color schemes and things like that. Um, and they also announced that there's going to be new bond events, which is a little bit interesting. Um, I wonder how that'll work functionally. Like. Now there's new bond events. So let's just say you already have a rank six bond with uh, Luca or whatever. And like now there's going to be a rank seven bond with him. So are you going to like just run out into the world and fight a bunch or like spoon feed him gifts to get that rank up to seven and then watch his bond event? Like, like what will you actually do to get it up there? Yeah, it, yeah like it doesn't seem like there's going to be any new story content yet or new dungeons. They just said new bond events and also like a new bond rank. So there might actually, in Scarlet Nexus, when you bond with the characters, uh, you know this, you played this, but um, yeah. you get like, their, their powers improve in terms of like how you can use their ability or um, how like and things like that. 
so I'm curious, like, if you rank up to rank seven now or rank X or whatever they call it, they, their, their, their ability that you can borrow will power up even more somehow. We'll see. But uh, they haven't really released many details on this DLC yet, but it's nice to know it's it's coming. But we don't know if there'll be, like, new... I know some people want new stories. Some people maybe want, like, a new dungeon, just, like, a challenge. But it doesn't seem like either of those are confirmed yet. And I want a sequel. I just I don't need any additional story. Just give me a full on sequel already. Yeah, they they left enough yeah. they left enough open that you know they could do a sequel. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, sure for people who either haven't played it yet or who want to go back and like feed gifts endlessly for for a new Bond event if that's how you do it. I'm I'm, uh, I'm just literally imagining like this DLC comes out and there's like let's just say six new Bond events like. You're gonna to have to raise your level, and you've already exhausted the content of the game, so you're just literally gonna just feed them gifts to raise it or whatever. Like, oh, that's better be worth it than <laughs> or wasting your time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like the the last bond event after you uh you get all their like max bond events or new bo- max bond events. It's like that's a sequel right there. It's like thank you for uh, engaging with the content. Now I'll have the cast tell you there's gonna be a sequel. There you go. Sure thing. Uh, okay, yeah, that's a that's a weird bit. Um, all right, I think they announced this at the. Ooh, I forgot what what event. This is that Gamescom opening night live. Okay, it was opening night live. All right, uh, five hundred five games. Oh, oh announced... shoot, was it the Xbox thing? Shoot, I, forgot. <laughs> I, thought, I, I, oh, I thought it was the Xbox thing, but it doesn't matter. It was part of Gamescom. Five hundred five games uh, announced uh, Stray Blade, a new action RPG coming for to PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X and S, and PC in 2022 and they describe this as a metroidvania elements with intense souls like combat and yeah when i first saw this trailer the thing that i uh immediately thought of like the two games if i were to like get grab two games uh out of nowhere and like this is what it looks like it it looked like a little bit of like biomute because it has like little creatures on it and then like Godfall for some reason, which is not a bad like thing on like its face. It's kind of just aesthetic, and it kind of reminds you of that. But but what else can you tell me about Stray Blade? So I included this in our in our write up just because it seems like you know an HD next gen RPG that was announced this week. Um, the trailer is only about thirty seconds long, so there's really not a lot to go off of. But it seems like it's a uh, like a combat focused, loot focused. RPG and apparently it'll have Metroidvania elements, um, as you said. Uh, so, from the or Point Blank games, yeah, I don't so know it's, if it's indie scale. I don't know if they've done anything else. Um, from Five Hundred Five, it's it's just one to sort of keep an eye on. Like maybe this will be a diamond in the rough. We'll see. Coming out so next, year, next gen. Yeah, so you have that up on the side of the trailer and screenshots if anyone's interested in uh, giving uh, that a look. Um, we also have, this is a weird one, they're re-releasing uh, the 2002 action RPG Enclave for PS4, Xbox One, and this Nintendo Switch this fall. Um, the original Enclave was uh, originally developed by Starbreeze Studios, I believe, and that was on original xbox and pc i I don't know it came out on pc later like 2003 okay Okay. and then this also got like a re-release in 2012 for like the wii and like pc as well 
So they're it's coming back. Um, that obviously it's gonna have upgraded visuals and sound effects. Um, Twenty new tracks at its soundtrack, enhanced soundtrack, and um, this yeah, is just, this is just one of those like left field announcements. It's like uh, <laughs> who expected or wanted this, but here it is. But yeah, this is from Starbreeze. They made the uh, they made like the Darkness and the Syndicate, the Chronicles of Riddick games, you know, decades or so ago. Um, but Enclave was one of their earlier titles. It's just like sure, okay. Uh, this is just one of those kind of left field announcements that kind of just yeah. This is uh, yeah. This announcement was made by Ziggurat Interactive. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea who they are to be honest. Yeah. I guess I guess wow. Ziggurat Interactive's uh, uh, plan at the moment is to re-release early 2000s Xbox RPGs on modern platforms. Or I guess I mean why, why not? Got to preserve them. Something. It's probably worth noting that they uh, have not like shown any screenshots or video of this because uh, it probably looks like a 2002 game still. But um, Surprise. it's just but, weird uh, enough that it's like interesting. Like sure, you yeah. Know that. Why, why not? I mean, they really re-released the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Oh yeah, that that just came out of nowhere too from yeah. Interplay. Yeah, a, game, a name I haven't heard in a while. But they're trying things. Um, if, if you've been itching to play Enclave after all this time, they've got you covered. Um, let's see here. Uh, Labyrinth of Galleria: Coven of Dusk is coming to Switch in Japan on November 11th. This came to PS4. Last year, I believe, and this was James's game of the year. Last year, don't forget, so. don't forget Vita. It, it was a Vita game. Oh, did it come, yeah, it's like a Vita game. That's right. Uh, how could I forget? Oh. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, go go for it, James. I feel like everyone kind of expected this to eventually happen because any sane Japanese company in the year 2020 would have released their uh, dungeon crawler on Switch first instead of Vita, but for whatever reason. Ipanichi was like, no, we'll release it on Vita and get tons of sales, and then it completely and utterly bombed. But uh, obviously, I loved it. Uh, I also said that it's kind of hard to talk about, because what makes it so cool are things that you kind of don't want to spoil. Now, we don't know if this will mean that a uh, localization is forthcoming. I still have hope that we'll get one next year, but we haven't gotten any announcements. This is a good sign because um, we've had certain people that would be privy to what um, these decisions are coming down to. Uh, basically, some folks that would know have said outright that in order for a localization to happen, they need a switch port, they need a PC port. So switch ports coming, that's one half of the puzzle. Hopefully this means that we'll get something soon. If I were to guess, it would be we'll probably get an announcement whenever NIS's next like press event is, whether it's at the end of this year or early next year. That would be my guess. And I would assume that a localization would be it, it would be next year, but I'm not sure if it would be early next year. I'm not sure if it would be the middle of the year, if it would be late year, um late um part of the year. Uh, Galleria, one of the things I can say is that it's a even like Refrain was a fairly text heavy game for a dungeon crawler in the first place. But Galleria, in many ways, is almost a VN with how much text it has and how much more of a focus the story places, the story is placed in the game. 
Uh, and it's actually kind of funny because like when NSJ announced this like a few days ago, like you look at all the Japanese uh, Twitter responses to it and there's all these people saying, look, I, I can't wait for more people to play it. I wish I could recommend it, but it's also a really, really long game. It's and like hours long. Like seriously, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, more than a hundred hours, like hundred hours just for the normal ending, let alone the true ending. So it's like it's I can't wait for people to be able to play it whenever it gets localized. I can't wait for more people to play it because it's finally gonna release on a platform that Japanese uh, players are still actually giving a shit about. Yeah. But um yeah, I hope it does well. I hope it does better than the original release because this game deserves more love. I have two things. The interesting thing about the its predecessor, Labyrinth of Refrain, is that when that came out in Japan, it was a Vita game, and then it was ported to PS4. And then the localization announcement from NIS America added the PC and Switch versions. Like, they coordinated those. And then when it released in the West on PC and Switch, especially the Switch version, then that came to Japan a few weeks later. So, like, NIS America seems to have been the one who basically set that up the switch version um here doesn't seem like that's the case if, if they have they haven't said anything um but like you said makes it more likely for localization maybe nis america and nis japan are working together to get this to work worldwide we'll see i the second thing i wanted to say was it's very i i have to imagine a localization is coming it's very rare for nis america to not localize a game from their parent company i do think there are maybe a handful of like visual novel type games that NAS puts out occasionally that NAS America doesn't do. But most of the time, if, if any Nipponichi software game will be localized by its, its, its localization branch. So I have to imagine it's coming. All right. Well, hopefully they'll announce it soon before the end of the year. Uh, that'd be great to just have another big RPG coming next year. And from what James has been saying it time and time again, this is seems to be a very excellent game. Um, another uh, game that's beloved by one of our uh, staff members, uh, Moon, is getting a PC release via Steam. Uh, our uh, staff contributor, Colin Black, uh, really loved uh, Moon when uh, that released on Switch and got re-released on Switch uh, and whatnot. So they haven't announced a, a solid release date for that, but for to anyone who wanted to give it a shot but was bummed out, it was only for Switch, um, they'll be able to play it uh, sometime soon, uh, you know, and that seems to be a lovely, lovely game. And yeah. That's, what was um... interesting about this announcement was literally mm -hmm. like not even a week ago, Some so this is being published by Onion Games, which is, they're like a Japanese indie publisher, but they publish stuff worldwide. Um, and usually it's older games like this, but uh they were some of their developers were actually like on Twitter not even a week ago, sort of saying they released some games on Steam and they haven't done very well, and they're like not they're they're like it sounded they were sounded unhesitant or hesitant I should say about the platform and putting more games on it. So a week ago it seemed like oh they're this sounds like it's not going to happen because they're they're really uncertain about it and it's like nope here's here's Moon and also they're they actually are releasing another one of their games on Steam as well I forget what it's called but another quirky you know, indie Japanese game. Uh, let me look it up here real quick. Uh, Monomore is coming to Steam also. I don't Monomore. know anything about this game, but it's another Onion Games. Uh, one button is all you need in this flappy kissing game. That's what it is. That's what it okay. is. So, 
so yeah, I guess Onion Games are, despite what they may have said about you know reservations on putting stuff on Steam, there looks like they're trying it. And Moon, Moon seems like the type of game that's gotten enough, you know, discussion around it. I think people will be interested in trying it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's 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 only getting harder and harder to get like uh, recognized on Steam and practically almost every marketplace. To be honest, so you know best of luck to them hopefully it does well because this seems like you know this this game has a reputation historically and it should it should de- definitely get more you know recognition uh beyond oh, kind of strong-armed so, us into putting it in our top 10 last year yeah, yeah. So he, yeah pre- i'll finally play it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like i i do hope that things work out for them because you can if you've been following it, it's clear that they really want to give like PC a chance. They just weren't sure where to start. And so everyone was saying, well, port Moon, like release Moon on Steam. I'm sure people will buy it. Hopefully uh, people put their uh, money where their mouth is. Look, man, it's, it's, been, it's been proven time and time again. Like the, the, the games that have been like it seemingly in every indie show and every event, like Capcom strategy with Monster Hunter Stories too. you know, just the more trailers you have in the more and the more events that you have. Even though people are getting sick of it, they'll recognize it and be like, "Okay, maybe I should get this or something." So, I don't know. It's a it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one, but uh, yeah, Moon a Remix RPG Adventure coming to Steam soon. And with that, I believe we are done with all the news topics uh, as of this week. So let's uh, wrap up. You can find us on rpgsite.net. You can find us on Twitter at rpgsite. You can uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rpgsitenet. Our YouTube is over at youtube.com slash rpgsitenet. You can find us on uh, iTunes or your other uh, podcast app of choice. Uh, just search up Tetracast. Um, also find us on the Discord. We have a Discord button off at the top of our front page on rpgsite.net you can click to go join up on the discord um everyone's been chatting still about some neo the world ends with you there and we're all really uh waiting for a rise as uh people kind of just uh you know pl- play some rpgs here and there to uh pass the time until the next big one comes out and also the judgment is also coming out uh, soon as well so a lot of people are uh, anticipating that but I've been your host, Josh Torres. Thank you, James Galizio. Thank you, Adam Vitali. And thank you, Chow Min Wu, for joining this week's podcast. I know, Chow, you came in late, infiltrated us out of nowhere, but it's okay. Uh, I forgive you. You'll, be, uh, you'll have to give us the lowdown on Aloy next week when she comes to Genshin Impact. And yeah, that's a status update for this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the TetraCast, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Later, folks. Later.